0: This is the Veteran Growth Podcast, an audio experience designed to help you create a sustainable, wealthy, and healthy lifestyle after the military. For Army veteran and host Kyle Hartman, the goal is simple, never stop learning or growing whether you are recovering transitioning starting a business or just want to grow mentally and spiritually we have you covered together this community can accomplish anything we've already proven it you can find more at www.veterangrowthpodcast.com please enjoy the show welcome back to the veteran growth podcast this is kyle hartman i'm your host you're tuning into episode three of our show on today's episode i'm featuring somebody who's actually not completely out of the military yet he's actually a reserve drill sergeant in the u.s army his name is scott taylor drill sergeant taylor for some of you now scott is doing a number of things and so we're going to work through everything he's doing throughout this episode but if you like puppies military guns youtube mixed martial arts any of those things you want to stick around for this episode scott it's a great pleasure to have you on the show how are you doing today my man
1: i'm doing great brother thanks for having me on man
0: no problem I didn't get much about where you started out in life. so if you wouldn't mind just giving uh, myself and the listeners a little bit of a background about where you came from, where you're at now, you know who you are.
1: All right cool so uh, again my name is Scott Taylor, Staff Sergeant, General Sergeant Taylor of the US. Army Reserves. I was born in Gowanda Hospital in upstate New York just outside of Buffalo. 92 when I was seven years old we moved to a little podunk town called Chatsworth, Georgia. Chatsworth is home today. And that's where I came back to.
0: Wow. Georgia? Yeah, Georgia. You went from really cold to really hot.
1: Yeah. It was funny. We, when we moved to Georgia in the summer of 92, anybody that's from the southeast of Georgia or Chattanooga Valley specifically knows that uh, in March of 93, we had the famous blizzard of 93. And we got, uh, we got blamed for bringing that snow down with us from New York
0: too funny. So I want to get into a lot about what you're doing and, and how you got to where you are with your military career, because this show is is, you know, when I had envisioned this show, a lot of it was about the veterans who are transitioning, who, you know, some people that might still be in the service who might be getting out or people who have already gotten out. For your situation, I thought it was very unique to bring you on this podcast so that we can kind of share what your experience has been because it doesn't seem like it's a very typical journey through the military that you took. Um, I know you've served for many years. You don't have to go into the whole spectrum of your career, but what would you say was the big reason that you're a drill sergeant now in the reserves? I mean, how did that all kind of fall in, into place?
1: So, so I'm going to start in a different place and I'm going to lead into that if you don't mind. So I was supposed to be graduating class in my high school in 2003, but uh, let's face it, I was your typical 15-year-old asshole teenager growing up, and so I didn't graduate in 03. I actually had to go to an alternative high school, in night school, and I didn't get my high school diploma Yep. You know, as recruiters do, and I said, yep, I'm sold, I want to do that. So I shipped, uh, I had, it started out weird, so I actually joined right out of the gate as a reservist. You know, we're trying to remember back that long ago, I, have no, I, I can't even remember why I, I decided reserves, but right out of the gate, I joined as a reservist.
0: It's a choice you, know, you know, it's the choice you made.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It is what uh, it is, really- I made it.
1: and I was an instructor, but because I was in
0: Some longer lasting issues that you experience, maybe. <laughs> so that's why I'm not so right in the head. It seems like most of the time. So I mean, your MOS when you went in, you were a combat engineer, and then from what I've seen, it seems like you you took sort of an educator sort of role. You took on all these different roles. You became. I'm assuming you're a combative certified. I'm not sure what what level you might be, but you a lot of these things translated into your personal life. I feel like is it. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because, I mean, you're a canine trainer. You've done a lot in the fighting world, the you know, the, the wrestling world, the MMA world. But, like, you're still able to actively be a drill sergeant. So, what do you do to kind of manage all those things? I mean, I know you're not active duty, so it's not full time. But it is still a very rigorous thing to be a drill sergeant. I know you guys have some crazy hours and schedules. So, how do you make everything work that you do? So, I went
1: to drill sergeant school in 2008. And graduated drill sergeant school, was supposed to report to my unit, but instead they sent me to, I was able to get Adolph's orders to go to Fort Leterwood to be on the trail, 35th Engineer's Charlie Company. So I did that. And man, for those of you that have never been a drill sergeant or you've always wondered why drill sergeants are so busy throughout the day, it's not because we hated you, all right? It's because we're tired. We, we, We barely get any sleep. So an average day of a drill sergeant, man, we get up around 3.30, 3.45 in the morning. If we're lucky, if we don't have to be first man, Sometimes it's and do you lucky to get in bed by 10.30, 11, 11.30 at night. And we got to turn right back around and get up with started early in the morning again.
0: Yeah. And you obviously, I mean, I know when you're a drill, you're a drill and stuff, but you obviously still have lives that are happening too, and I'm sure that can be intense at times. What would you suggest for anybody looking to try to go to drill sergeant school? I mean, any recommendations for anybody in that
1: aspect? So the one hundred and eight training division is really unique. normal world our job is to supplement the active duty drill sergeants that that are on the trail wherever they are to supplement them get, help give them a break because we're short on drill so we're hurting bad for drill sergeants especially female drill sergeants huh. uh, and the way to do it is you can talk to a recruiter uh the 98th and the 95th division and the 108th in and of itself they have their own recruiter mm-hmm. that you can
0: It's neat though. course I think they have both don't they maybe not I don't know I've, I've been out for Transition. a
1: minute now yeah it just transitioned. now instead of WLC it's a BLC basic leaders course okay make not sure your e4p with basic leadership course already completed or at least a minimum of an e5 and three years time of service in and, and you can make that transition. It's as simple as doing a TPU-TPU transfer, transition into that unit, and they'll take care of you and send so you to Drill Sergeant School they'll prep you. We have what's called the Drill Sergeant Candidate Program, and
0: we train the, the candidates and get them ready uh, to send them to Drill Sergeant School. Nice, nice. I wanted to talk to you about, so we discussed some of your military experience. You're sort of a book of knowledge in that department, I think, because It really just takes somebody who's in certain situations within the military to have good insight on where to go, if you want more information, things like that. So anybody interested in what we just talked about there, definitely make sure you check out Drill Sergeant Taylor's Instagram, Sorry, Scott Taylor. What I want to move on to now, because we have a lot of other things I want to talk about with you. Like I said, everybody, he does a lot of stuff. So I want to get into how you got involved. I know you spend three and a half hours every single morning with dogs and you are a canine trainer. How'd you get into that? What is, what is it that you do specifically? I, I know you said you're a private contractor. So what type of dogs are you training? What are you training them for? Um, how'd you get involved with that? And then we're going to caveat that into... Some things about Patriot Tactical and the YouTube channel and Tactical Taylor, and then we'll get into the fighting stuff after that. Okay, so through my weird stint in
1: the army, and the reason why it was so unique, and Kyle mentioned this earlier, I was a reservist from the get-go, but I have nine years of active duty time. <laughs> Actually, it's just a hair, it's a hair over nine years of active duty time. And pretty much the whole first nine and a half years of my career, I was active duty. I was either on ADOS or Title 10 orders the entire time. And it was just mobilization after mobilization after mobilization. And I kept moving around and, and I kept getting asked and a lot of networking and whatnot. But through one of the gigs I was doing at Fort Lairwood, I kind of got left hung out to dry with nobody to really, I, I, I really kind of belonged to myself.
0: Well, it's, it's to... Fort Lost in the Woods anyway, right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Maybe so you were lost I too.
1: <laughs> up, I linked up with uh, some MPs and, started hanging out with them and, and everything and started taking taking some bites in the bite suit from some of the dogs uh, the dual purpose dogs they had and that didn't last very long. That's when I segued into the drill sergeant stuff was, was after that. Okay. And then
0: They taught you what you know basically.
1: Oh yeah. And, okay. And-
0: man. It's really cool, too, how if you think about the opportunity that he had to hire you, had you not spoken up about that, I mean, if you would have just kept that as like, an oh, that would be cool sort of situation, nothing would have ever came from it. But instead, you actually pursued it, you, you found a way to make it happen. And another really cool part of that, too, is the fact that the GI Bill covered other schools for you to get that because one thing a lot of veterans do not know is the GI Bill covers a whole lot of shit. A lot of really yeah. weird stuff. I mean, you can be an apprentice at McDonald's and use your GI Bill and still get paid as a McDonald's apprentice to become like a franchise owner. So, I yeah. mean, you can do so much stuff with your GI Bill. So, I actually didn't know that you, you know, were looking to get training. That, that I honestly didn't even know you could do dog training with your GI Bill, but I just have yeah, a lot totally. of faith that you can do pretty much anything.
1: Yeah, you've got to really be careful with what, uh, what, what Programs. you need. You choose though so it's a shady world
0: there is an accreditation program but there are probably scams that will still say they're accredited yep but there's got to be a way that you can find that well, list here's
1: of, here's one for you uh I, I won't blast them out there but anybody that that pays attention to the news out in texas or out in the southwest there there was a huge canine, you know, dog training company that about.
0: anybody's dog that wants your services
1: yeah we say uh, our our, kind of our company motto is any size any breed any age
0: okay cool nice to know So yeah, if, uh, if anybody that listens to this appear in those areas, you know where to go for your training. So you kind of have another situation where you were an instructor and it kind of stuck with you throughout your personal life, which was combative. It might have actually been with you before you started teaching combatives. So talk about that. It, it kind of lines right up with the whole canine training situation. It's you you experience certain things in your life at a certain point, and then you ran with some of the things that really stuck out to you. I think so. And we talked previously. I know you've rolled with a lot of very big names. I don't want to get into all those guys because we don't have that much time. But it, you know, feel free to mention some of the people you you wrestled with. Like give us your your combatives experience, your mixed martial arts. experience experience and yeah, and then explain to somebody or to anybody listening to how that has affected your health and your and your overall well-being throughout your life too
1: yeah absolutely so in the military PT is important right and one of the most coveted positions uh you can have as far as being a fit soldier it being known that you're fit without question is to be a combatant instructor Per capita I can't say that across the board you know I've I've seen some shady things, but, you know, for the most part, if you're, if it's known that you're a combatant instructor, your fitness isn't even in question. We're, we're expected to be those PD stuff. So I started, I got level one certified at started at school. Okay. Uh, and I went to reserve center in upstate New York and got level two certified, and then ended up in Fort Dix, New Jersey, on orders for the RTC East, Regional Training Center East mission, where we would train reserve soldiers, National Guard soldiers, getting ready to mobilize to go on deployment, The, you know, having the highest certification to be able to do this or do that—it <clears throat> wasn't really anything more than level. training, all under one roof, and it was amazing. And
0: then the experiences and the networking, I'm sure, too. Oh, Just... yeah, absolutely. why i'm seeing a lot of like circuit gyms popping up i'm seeing a lot of like crossfit gyms that have these classes where they keep you really accountable i mean do you think that's why these are becoming more and more popular because of that camaraderie and just that that feeling of purpose and progression that comes out of that
1: yeah absolutely i think that's a big part of it Yeah.
0: to try to work out a plan and bring him on the show eventually, my man.
1: Yeah, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
0: She-dog response. Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about it in case nobody knows who he is. So
1: Tim But everybody knows Tim fought in the UFC and he had a great run in the UFC and he was an elite fighter, he was a top ten ranked middleweight for for the better part of a decade. And, you know, I really looked up to Tim and he was one of those guys that, you know, I looked up to and at the time I wanted to fight professionally in Pancration, That's what I was training for because that's kind of through our graduated set of rules and combatives, that was one of our graduated set of rules was, you know, pancration really. So open hand strikes to the head, close fists to the body, kicks anywhere, no elbows, no knee strikes, all you can need to the body and but only if you're standing and and you know, of course the submission grappling. So I start getting into pancreation and I wanted to fight professionally. I was like, well how if I'm gonna do this, I might as well get paid for it. And I couldn't sign a pro contract because I had a contract with the army.
0: Yeah. Back and, then uh, back then they didn't make any exceptions.
1: Exactly. Now you've got Colton Smith who broke down that wall. He's Colton Smith is active duty and he was fighting for the UFC. We may see him. He's not done. We may see him back in the UFC, but he was the winner of the the open Fighter. I think it was season fourteen. I could be wrong on that.
0: But well there's a active. there's plenty of people that do it now I'm sure.
1: Oh absolutely and Brandon Sales is another one. He's active and he fights professionally now and just won a championship in the super heavyweight division but anyways I had another job, lost that job, had another job, lost that job. Well the fourth job that, that I got hired and got fired from, it all made sense. Mm-hmm. So this was you know, this was in you know, industrial work pretty much. I'm not gonna say any company names to bash on them. They're great companies It just I wasn't a good fit for them. Yeah. But you know, if you're in the army long enough, you can spot toxic leadership or in the military in general, you can spot toxic leadership a mile away.
0: Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah, it was getting to the point to where there would be managers from other departments coming into my department and screwing us up and making us scramble and work harder, but well, we weren't authorized overtime and we had to make all this magic happen within our ship. It was making our life a living hell and I, I finally started catching these guys coming in, like, Hey what do you want? Oh yeah? Well that's your screw up, not ours. We're gonna run our normal production and then then we'll get to your crap. Yeah. And then I'd send them away. Well, who am I? I'm nobody. I'm just a line worker, you know. And so that I rustled feathers that way. I wasn't abiding by the status
0: quo. Well, and that's a yeah. common that's a common struggle for a lot of military personnel, though, too, because you you got to think how we're designed to function is a complete 180 of what like the common corporate structure usually entails. Uh, I know for myself, the job I currently have is is pure chaos, and I stress about it a lot. But I always have to remind myself it's just the way we we were meant to think of or you know the way we were trained things like that that you know i i wouldn't say you're alone in that feeling i guess when it comes down to like working civilian jobs and here's where the
1: fault is on the on the civilian employer side though
0: well just a just a heads up we got about four to five minutes left on the episode so i want to grab just a couple last things um but we can run past that i just wanted to keep you updated on time yeah
1: man so the biggest thing is here's where they fail Mm -hmm. they fail Strong leadership quality in me Yeah. they took it as me making ripples in the pond so they fired me to not break the status quo instead of promoting me to fix these problems
0: well that might have cost more money
1: yeah and <laughs> you, so it's a failure on both ends Yeah.
0: issues, and that's something yeah. that gets very hairy, so we don't need to talk about it, but yeah, it's, I, I already got the scope on that, and uh, it was a shitty situation.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I moved on, and that's what led me to the dog train,
0: but... And I wanted another- to... I wanted to point out, too, because we're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but you do have a YouTube channel. It's nothing big and elaborate yet, but you are out helping the world. You are pretty good at different weapons, you know, training, different um, pieces of insight like that. So you do have Tactical Tailor. If you guys have YouTube, check him out there. It's also on Facebook, correct, Scott? Yes. Uh,
1: So Facebook is Tactical Tailor. You can find it through...
0: I'll put the links in the episode. Okay, I'll... Um, but okay. for anybody just listening, it's tactical and then T A Y L O R. Correct. Yeah, and it's uh, you'll and, see TT is a logo. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then on YouTube, it's Tactical Taylors: Guide to the Gun World. My goal with that, I haven't posted an episode in a while. Dog training's kind of uh, derailed that for a second, but I'm <laughs> back to them. Yeah. I will get back to that, but my goal with that is people that brand name isn't always the best that there are little hidden gems out there right. in the gun world, in the tactical world gear, optics, ammo guns in and of themselves just because it's not that big brand name because it's not Glock, it's not Six Hours, it's not Colt you know, doesn't mean it won't perform anyone. it doesn't mean that it's not
0: you just say whatever you want towards the end so with your fighting experience and with the just the timing of this episode man i think i gotta ask you what's your uh what's your big pick for this big fight coming up between mcgregor and khabib i mean i if you don't even want to make a prediction on a recording i don't even blame you because i don't even think i can decide
1: no man, i'm good uh I think if Khabib gets Connor to the ground, it's going to be Khabib. I think if Connor stays standing, then it's Connor. And and if I'm wrong, and if Khabib takes Connor to the ground and Connor has a ball,
0: practicing his wrestling it's been quiet because i mean obviously he's had to learn a lot about boxing recently so that's had to have taken a lot of time plus he's a famous dude now so he's got a lot of stuff going on so for me i don't think he would have gotten enough wrestling in however i think that he's still going to knock khabib's jaw off when he tries to come in on it you know at some point I just I love both of them. I, I love I love a lot of these guys. I mean, it's just so fun to watch them. Khabib's
1: known for being spiteful and saying, okay, this is where your game is. I'll go to where your game is. Yeah. If he does that with Connor, he might lose. he's put himself in big danger.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess I'm excited for it. Uh, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me today on the show. I want to let you say anything else you'd like real quick, and then we will get out of here. And just start pushing this show out to the world. I think you have so many wonderful things to offer our community. You know, I know I thank you for everything you do for the veteran community as a whole. And, you know, the fact that you're still serving while you're doing all these things, it's really important. It means a lot. But uh, I'll leave the floor to you, Scott. Yeah,
1: man. So uh, a lot of things real quick. First, I want to thank Office Canine Training, uh, my wonderful company that has given me an opportunity to be me and and to have this amazing job training with dogs. Second, Good Dog, Bad Dog. Good Dog, Bad Dog is a up-and-coming company. You guys check them out on Facebook. They're producing a revolutionary Leash, and, man, this thing's amazing. We don't have the time for me to talk about it in depth, but uh, check out Good Dog, Bad Dog. They're doing some great things, and I want to speak to the veteran community. Guys, a lot of these suicides are coming from not knowing what to do with yourself, being rejected from the civilian community in ways that are subtle, But hit us hard. And here's my advice. Find a way. If you're having a hard time finding employment, the best thing to do is find some something. Volunteer in your community. I was coaching high school archery. That's what I started doing when I was unemployed. I was volunteering, I was coaching high school archery as a volunteer coach. It gave me purpose. It, It 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 gave me a chance to mentor Another thing that I do is I, I'm a life coach. I'm a-
0: because I'll I'll put that out in the blog. Also, everybody, you can get a hold of all my guests through the website. I will always post their information. You can find a lot of the stuff on my Instagram, the podcast Instagram. You'll see their episode. You'll see their tag. You can message me for their information. Anybody I feature on the show, I already know wholeheartedly would be willing to help any veteran out. So, Scott, I want to thank you so much again, man. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and for everybody that listened to episode three of the veteran growth podcast we can't thank you enough hope you guys enjoy the show come back next time for some more greatness